everybody, and Movie Geek Land. It's great to have you guys on board for another edition of Movie Geeks United. The gang's all here. We're yes. excited to talk about the big buildup of movies that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. We're stopped up. We need some Kaopectate or something. Kaopectate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be uh, useful. Uh, you know what? I, I once worked with a girl. She was from Haiti. And she cannot say Kaopectate. Like, she had an upset stomach one day. And she said, I got to go to the store to buy some Kaopectate. And I was like, buy what? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I've tried that. Man. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. This was sent to me. What do you think? I don't know how they got my address, but they sent it to me. If this was the International Nashville Film Festival. You, you're being honored. This year is being dedicated to honoring you and your impressive body of work. It's about time. And so what? We would like to invite you to join us for a retrospective of some of your greatest films, followed by a gala ceremony where you will be presented with our prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award. Look who the previous winners are. Robert De Niro, Jack Nicholson, and Clint Eastwood. And it says here, all expenses are paid. That's country music town. That's not a film town. No, 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 no. Nashville has become very hip. Very hip. Well, that's what I'm worried about, my hip. Sitting on an airplane for too long a time. What if I get a clock in my butt? Look, I've heard of this film festival. I know this is a prestigious award, and I don't think you're going to get a clot in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if you don't go, you're a bigger asshole than I ever thought. Oh, well, I guess you would know. Here's topic number one, and I think it's relevant to one of your previous interviews, Dean. Have you guys yet seen uh, The Last Movie Star, the new Burt Reynolds movie? I did actually. Did did you see it, Jerry? No, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. It hasn't opened here yet, and I I, don't, I haven't seen it on demand anywhere. So I've been <laughs> looking for it, but no, I haven't seen it. Did you okay. see it? Let me give Let me give you my quick impressions, and then you could tell me how much you agree with it, Dean. <laughs> okay. Uh, or disagree. Uh, I, uh, I overall, I wish the movie was better. But uh-huh. I think it is a it, it is a vehicle uh, that purely exists for the joy of watching Burt Reynolds, and I think that role uh, is worthy of him. I mean, it's, it's obviously a very thinly veiled replication of some of the highs and lows of his own career, um, but uh, but he is a joy to watch in it, um, and uh, there there are elements of it that play. Uh, too, uh, too kind of uh, cutesy, to, to sitcom unbelievably, um, but but overall, I, I was I was very moved by his uh, his journey in it. Uh, you know, there's there's a rash of movies lately with like older older actors. I mean, Sam Elliott's another one that comes to mm-hmm. mind. Right. Where where you get you get the feeling that the only reason why the movie should exist is to to give that actor a showcase um, because it speaks to their their career so specifically mm-hmm. uh, that that it probably wouldn't fit with anyone else. Could, um, 
but uh, but overall, I think it's like it, it feels like kind of a a B minus movie to me, or, mm-hmm. or maybe a B. Um, but but I think the highs are are good enough to, uh, especially if you're a fan of Reynolds and kind of a, a bygone era, um, that that it's well worth checking out. It's absolutely worth checking out, even despite its minuses, which I think really come from the um, come from the scenes with uh, the kids and the the sort of the film festival scenes, which I think are I don't know just uh, sloppily drawn, and uh, uh, I don't think they're they're uh, really contributing an authentic eye to. Uh, that scene, it's uh, rather a little insulting, I guess. But uh, you know, because I've been to nascent film festivals before, and they weren't they weren't that uh, you know they weren't that sort of haphazard. You know, it feels like they're this one is occurring in somebody's basement or something. And uh, yeah, so uh, but uh, the best thing about it and is is Bert's performance, uh, no question about it. It's the reason to watch it. Uh, I, I wish that the uh, the rest of the movie was up to snuff uh, with with that uh, great great showing, and that's the sole reason to watch it. Really, is uh, is this uh, is fascinating to see him dissect his career in this way. You know, actually having a dialogue with his past selves, which are done through. Uh, computer uh, altered scenes from his past movies including Deliverance and and uh Smoking the Bandit and uh that's that's a really neat concept and uh, I think helps us get to the heart of the matter here I um wish I liked a lot more about the movie but Bert's performance is quite enough to uh, recommend it I think it's brave and uh, daring self-deprecating uh, in a lot of ways and uh, very observant. And so uh, on that level alone, I would uh, recommend the movie uh, despite its, uh, despite other minuses. Right. Obviously, Jamie brings up the Sam Elliott movie, The Hero, which is a probably, a, it probably might be the closest recent example, but would you put Mickey Rourke's The, Re- the Wrestler in this category too? Yeah, sure. I mean, sure. okay. I mean, I think they're, I think they're, um, they're designed. All of these movies are designed as uh, roles to uh, celebrate what each lead actor has uh, contributed to uh, the culture, to movie culture, to uh, popular culture. Right. And um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I think they're absolutely of a piece and would, uh, would, would make a great. You know, triple feature. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a lot of navel gazing, though. That's a lot of that's a yeah, lot of navel gazing. I, I suppose so, but uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, all three of those movies have tremendous heart and understanding of their the lives of their lead actors. And um, well, you you bring up a good point, Jamie. Really, bring, would these these movies don't even think that these are movies that each each individual film we've mentioned. They're like movies that that could never exist without the participation of that particular actor. Yeah, I mean, I no. don't know if the last movie star. Let me ask you this: the last movie star, could he have? Would he? He obviously had Burt Reynolds in mind when he wrote this. I mean, yeah. I would yeah. think. 
I mean, yeah, th- th- no. this more than any more more than any of the others. It's specifically tailored for Reynolds. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, a- a- every kind of career anecdote, and 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 you have the added benefit that uh, he, you know, they play the Carson stuff, and you know, he, he's pl- he's playing his own career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. So it right. Okay. Can't be anyone. Can't be anyone else's really. No. No. That's what I mean. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. casting but, he's casting a, you know, uh uh I don't know, a critical eye to uh his past. And, right. Uh, his uh maybe his uh, uh mistakes and his uh, successes and uh, his longings for uh one time longings for a kind of a sports career and uh so forth. Uh one scene where they visit a, a stadium at Knox it takes place in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, so they visit the stadium, you know, and that's that's a uh, moving scene because um, uh, I know that Bert, uh, you know, really treasures his time on the football field. And yes, he does. Yeah. So um, yeah, so it's it's absolutely you know it's a, anything to do with Burt Reynolds in this movie is absolutely uh, you know impeccable. Um, uh, you know, I, I just wish that the rest of the Cast in the yeah. movie was. Uh, I, was I mean, the, the stuff that the stuff that kind of uh, <laughs> felt <clears throat> too formulaic formulaic to me was the um, the stuff with Ariel Winter, and, uh, and I'm sure I'm sure she played that role as well as could be expected. But that's that's the part of the movie that that feels so formulaic. I I, I had it written in my mind, mm-hmm. like you knew exactly the second she came on the screen where that character would go and what Reynolds would teach her and. I, you know, I, I don't. I, I wish there was a way that he could have found to, to do something more unique with that. But uh, but as in ter- as far as the film festival stuff for me, I think by the end it was all right because uh, he got to a place where he was able to um, embrace their pure enjoyment of him and of mm-hmm. his work and, and of movies in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think the the, enthousi- the enthusiasm was there. So he, of course, he was turned off without all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I think it, the bells and whistles in his career aren't the things that mattered. It was the, it was getting back to appreciating the pure love of what he did, right? And the people have for him uh, that mm-hmm. meant something. Will this get a wider release? I mean, will this get any sort of like wider release? It seems like a big deal. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's you know it might be out there in a couple of theaters uh, in New York and L.A., but uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see it getting a wider release. Uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, mm, that's a shame. That's a shame. <clears throat> you know, so uh, you know, it's it's uh, we're going to have to adjust to a world where uh, you know movies like this are are on demand uh, primarily and. Uh, and maybe some of the best movies of the year are really seen in that venue. Uh, mm, more that's a shame, than, though. That's that's really a shame because things just go. I well, like we talked before, just get lost in that field. Unfortunately. Well, because, well, that's what we're yeah. here for to yeah. uh, to highlight them and uh, and make sure that they don't get lost. Well, you guys mentioned uh, you mentioned Bert's football thing, so well, let me use that to segue into the. Second film I'd like to talk about, and then you guys can take over and talk about whatever movies you guys have seen, uh, which is the thing that aired the other last night on HBO, Paterno. 
All right, let's uh, talk Pacino about playing it. Joe, Joe Paterno, Barry Levinson directing. I, I've watched it one and a half times now. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and uh, it's it, uh, you know how you watch a movie and you and you know something's missing, like this isn't as gripping as it should be, and I can't put my finger on it because it's not totally obvious what it is. Right. Uh, that's how I felt with this. I thought I thought it was like an edge better than Phil Spector. HBO has become Pacino's go-to studio. He even said it. He said, if I ever want to do anything, if I ever have a character I want to play, I go to HBO, they'll do it. And so it's no, no surprise that some of his, the best work that he's been allowed to do has been on that network. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this was uh, smart about um, the ambiguity of it, but at, at the same time, by the end of it, I didn't feel there was any ambiguity. Because people are saying... People were saying, you know, are you trying to make Joe Paterno look innocent? And then another group of people are saying you're trying to blame him for it or make him seem guilty. Mm-hmm. And the, fil- the filmmakers have been saying, no, it's it's somewhere in the middle. There's the ambiguity. But I don't think there is an ambiguity. I think it's pretty clear by the end of the movie that Paterno knew, and he didn't do enough to stop it. But uh, the the drama comes in the fact that he's going over that in his own mind throughout mm-hmm. the course of the movie. There's a lot of a lot of stretches of the movie where he's very silent and you can read in his expression that he's running over things in his mind and he's conflicted and he's, and he's so confused by this because mm-hmm. his life has been so single-minded on winning and being the winningest football coach in college history mm-hmm. that he, he's had tunnel vision. He didn't recognize the severity of the shit that was going on around him. Um, and that was ultimately his downfall. And, mm-hmm. and it takes place in the most dramatic period of time during those two weeks between the revelation and his diagnosis of lung cancer and his firing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that's a pretty hefty fall from grace, and I was pleased that it also pays service to the victims as well. There's a subplot involving the victim, one of the victims, um, that's pretty prominent to the movie, more prominent than I thought it would be, mm-hmm. and I was... I, I was uh, grateful for that. Uh, I think the thing with the cub reporter, I think it's important because she broke the story years earlier and nobody, it didn't cause any stir. And so she's on the front lines when the story of the child molestation reemerges and she's pushing it forward. Um, I don't like the way she's played. Uh, she's the, the actress plays it very kind of coldly and awkwardly. Uh, it would have it would have felt better if there was some feeling of genuine compassion on on that reporter's part. Mm. That may be the actress Riley Co Coet is Riley yeah. from American Honey. Yeah, yeah Riley Keough. Riley Keough, and she plays that character. She plays very cold characters for. I mean, the movies I know American Honey and Logan Lucky. I think Logan Lucky is the other movie. That she was that I remember her in, and they're very cold characters. So I, I think I understand what you're saying. That's a very good observation, Jamie, because I was thinking that too. Um, yeah, she's Elvis' that. granddaughter. Is she really? Yeah, she's Elvis' granddaughter. Oh, so granddaughter. she's Lisa Marie's daughter? Yes. Wow. Well, there's she didn't <laughs> oh, have to wow. worry about paychecks. Um, nope. <laughs> uh, Pacino's but, um, good. Pacino's good, but. It didn't. It didn't. 
you know, he was great in Levinson's Kevorkian movie. See, uh, that's the gold standard, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's his gold standard in this genre. I mean, it's yep. like medium, I think. So. Yeah. Huh. Um, I was dreading this, guys, I, ever since it was first announced, because the subject matter is so depressing and uncomfortable. I'm sort of glad that this is the one that De Palma was attached to, right? Yeah. The one. I'm glad he didn't do this because I, I just he needs to go make a big studio thriller or something. Um, this was better than I thought it would be. I thought it was better than the Spectre one, um, but the subject matter is so depressing. But I think Pacino's performance is very good, and I think he this is where he's doing his best work. This I actually would have to say the last ten years um, at least is on HBO. Yeah. And it, it's, um, a, it's a very muted. It's a very muted interior performance from Pacino, which I know a lot of audience members will be thankful for. Yes. Um, there, 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 it isn't the histrionics and the shouting and all that kind of stuff that people complain about that I don't personally have a problem with. But um, he, he plays older than he is, and he plays kind of feeble, and he's in over his head, and he's looking at a 60-year legacy that's crumbling. One of Penn State's longtime coaches, Jerry Sandusky, is charged with sexually abusing eight boys. Forty news organizations want to interview you. You're the only reporter who's followed this thing. Who met with McQuarrie? Paterno, Schultz, Curley. People think that you knew about all of it. How come no one's talking about the second mile? Jerry started this charity. Hundreds of children. Thousands. Thousands! You should say what McQuarrie told you. He was distraught. He didn't make sense. People need to hear from you. Ah! What did the kid say happened? I didn't talk to the kid. So who talked to the kid? Because of what you did, five other guys have found the courage to do the same thing. She makes money by telling lies. She doesn't have a good lie, she doesn't get a good paycheck. Well, it must not be a good lie because it's a tiny fucking paycheck. You need to step down. You need to resign before somebody does it for you. I raised millions of dollars for this university. I have a staff and a squad that can win a national championship. You want to fire me? Try it. We want Joe! We want Joe! We want All these people should be screaming about the victim, Joe! not Joe! We want Joe! We want you call him a legend and treat him like a legend! He went in the pool with the kids. Jerry did? Our kids? Yeah. What are you saying? I'm saying you couldn't have known. Otherwise, you wouldn't have let them go in the pool. Right? I have a confession to make. There's a shot towards the end of Pacino, and if I didn't know any better, I thought it was Woody Allen. I... That would have been well, a great casting. <laughs> there, there, there's a great, yeah, that was, that's dangerous casting right there. Yeah. Uh, there's a great shot, or there's a great scene where he gets fired. And right. it's great because just the physicality of the character mm-hmm. um, is just wonderful. It's a wonderful piece of physical acting. Yes. Uh, it's probably my favorite moment from him in the movie. Yeah, well, at this point, another B effort for me. Yeah, mm. um, there's this, I, like, when you talk about how he saw the tunnel vision, I thought that was beautifully um, shown 
when the one guy comes over and I think toward in the beginning, like with the, like what how, what they're gonna say and what is what is Paterno say? He's like, I'm just focused on I've got Nebraska. I've got Nebraska. Right. Just so how wrapped up he is in work and everything in the game. Yeah. I thought that was a great and example then there, of that. Yeah, then there's that other conversation that he has with his son. He says, you know, your mom can be hysterical, but we don't get hysterical. If, uh, you know, if we right, got hysterical right. every, time, every time we had a loss or something, we'd never get anything done. Uh, it's just not in his uh, manner. And, and it, during the course of the movie, he, he's battling with that inside, that I should have mm-hmm. done more. I could, I, I could have stopped this, but I, just, I did the very minimum and just let it go. And uh, I didn't live up to my responsibilities beyond that. And, of course, the school hit it mm-hmm. because uh, they didn't want to ruin the reputation of Penn State. You know? Yeah. It's terrible. May I ask a silly question? May I ask a silly question just about Pacino's performance? Because I was thinking this before the movie came on. I had to do some research because I didn't realize there's so many movies. But... I guess, like we would say, You Don't Know Jack would probably be one of his best performances this century, but what would be, each of you, what would be, you think, his truly last great performance that he's given? Is, oh, or is that last, not a fair question? The last, like, the last performance that you saw in the theater that really, like, that that's why we talk about him. For me, personally, it would be Insomnia. It would be okay. Insomnia and, and, and Moments of Merchant of Venice. Okay, all right. Uh, I was going to say the insider for me personally. The insider. Yeah, I was going to go with the insider too. But I do uh, like insomnia a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I prefer I prefer the original insomnia. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I would I would go with uh, the insider uh, just on big screen uh, performances. Um, you know, uh, I really can't think of anything that uh, that comes close to it. But really. I would put. Danny Collins as something I did I enjoyed. I enjoyed, him in. I enjoyed that. That was a that was a that yeah. was a departure that I enjoyed quite yeah. a bit. And uh, so yeah, yeah I, mean, I was just curious. Smile. I mean, there, there's it's nice to see him finally smile in a movie. I think yeah. he's a very winning pre- winning presence in Danny Collins, even though you couldn't believe for a second that he's a, sing- a singer. But um, <laughs> but that's all. But that, that's almost kind of beside the point because the the performance itself is such a joy. But I say insomnia because um, just the pure physicality and and his, the kind of like the the tracking of the the degradation of that character physically mm-hmm. and mentally right. is so uh, disciplined. Uh, I think it's a great example of craft. Um, but 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 of course the insider is great. Uh, and before, prior to that, uh, Donnie Brasco is a true Donnie, yeah Donnie, Donnie Brasco Donnie Brasco sure. yeah. He did a lot of great stuff the late nineties. I thought. I mean, he's always he always he was doing great stuff all along. But really, the late nineties has some really powerhouse performances there. Um, mm-hmm. He, I would even give. I like City Hall and just like can't like hamming it up in Devil the Devil's Advocate. I even think is a great, yeah. fun Pacino performance. So there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, yeah, no, he, <laughs> and especially in the early nineties, he was really on fire with things like you know. See a love, I think, Dick, is like Dick. see a love would be my favorite. And, Glenn, and and his little part and, and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross he's very good too. I mean yeah, I mean that uh, Frankie and Johnny Dick Tracy. Uh, he's know. living it up in Dick Tracy. He's yeah. having more fun than anyone else in the whole movie, I think. Yeah. And Heat, of course. There's something. He, there's something he happened upon in uh, in Donnie Brasco. 
<clears throat> and um, there's a shot of him and Donnie Brasco where Johnny Depp's getting along with everybody on the boat. He's kind of become mm-hmm. the star. Mm. And uh, Lefty Lefty is the Willie Loman of gangsters. He's kind of yeah. left out the cold. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. He, he's, on, he's on the other end of the boat. And just his physicality, he is completely deflated. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it's something, there's this crackling moment in The Insider after he gives his whole speech mm-hmm. to Don Hewitt. And uh, and Mike Wallace, he's, he wants Mike Wallace to back him up. But Mike Wallace says, no, I'm with Don on this. And mm-hmm. there's this mm, yeah, moment yeah. where... It's almost imperceptible, but he completely deflates. Just physically. Yeah, without, well, I mean, you know, that character is continually, that character is continually being, you know, stomped on. And Doesn't <laughs> he do that, though? I guess he, he brings that physicality, I think, to Paterno, really. I mean, there's that, I think yeah. that's in there. And that's what I like. That's probably why I like Paterno, because I see exactly that, with that point you're bringing about that Donnie Brasco performance is definitely in there. Um, definitely. I saw Ready Player One uh, yesterday, and, uh, you know, of course, going into it, I was uh, skeptical because I really hated the, the trailer, you know, thought I was really in for something uh, trying, but uh, I really connected to it, uh, and I think I got myself in a in a headspace where... Um, where I said, well, I'm gonna, you know, accept this and just uh, and just go with it, and in that way, despite you know some, despite the fact that I thought it was a little too long. It is maybe, too long. Maybe 20 minutes, and and uh, and you know, I, I wish you know some of it was different, but uh, I really, really had fun with it. I, I particularly uh, loved the. Uh, the opening, you know, race sequence, which mm-hmm. I thought was incredibly, wonderfully manic, and uh, like nothing I'd seen before. Which, you know, that's really what I go to Spielberg movies for. And uh, I loved the uh, uh, terrifically romantic uh, dance scene. <laughs> where yeah, that, it's got was, it's got more going for it than it, in the, it lets on in the trailer. I think. I really think. That once you get past the trailer, and once you get past, there are. I think the movie has moments of genius. I mm-hmm. just don't think there's enough of that. I think the movie does get bogged down. Um, I've seen the movie twice, not because I loved it, because I went to go see it late Thursday night when it opened, and I I think I fell asleep for five or ten minutes. So I want to go back and watch it again. Um, well, I like that they cast Ty Sheridan, who I think is one of our best young actors. Uh, he's super uh, He's I thought Olivia Cook was great as the female lead, and uh, and um, you know, uh, you know, it's interesting seeing you know Mark Rylance, and and I hope is going to be the kind of effects, you know, the uh, de aging effects that we're going to see in The Irishman, uh, you know, later I hope, on. I hope, I hope so. And, I mean, because uh, I thought that was very effective and uh, pretty seamless. Uh, you know, of course, incredible effects and and um, and art direction uh, and and just design in general and. Uh, uh, of course, Janu's uh, Kaminsky photography mm-hmm. is terrific, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, th- there was just a whole lot of it I really, really enjoyed, and just went to the went with the flow on it, you know, and uh, you know, not not that I don't, uh, you know, uh, ha- have some quibbles with it, but uh, 
uh, I'd watch it again, which is yeah, uh, yeah. which is it's, really, you know, I'd, I'd love to see it on the biggest screen possible, you know, which I did see it on a huge right. screen, but uh, uh, you know, I, I I'd, I'd watch well, it here's again a, for sure. Here's a question for you, because just perce- without having seen the movie, just perceptually, it just seems like when Spielberg returns to the mass entertainment well, <clears throat> it's kind of it feels like he's going backwards. <clears throat> it feels like he's matured beyond that. Uh, it, and it does. It, it seems half-hearted almost to mm-hmm. me. Can I add something to that? I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of truth in what you're saying. But what's interesting, yes, he went the last time he went back and did that. He, we got the Crystal Skull mm-hmm. and a very mixed bag um, mm-hmm. at best. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't want to say it's complete dud because we're gonna have to deal with Indiana Jones five and we're gonna have to watch Crystal Skull again. I guess. Um, I don't think you can get away with saying that Indiana Jones was taking a shower and it never happened. I don't think you can get away with that. But um, that's a great point, Jamie, because if you look at the movies he's made in between, um, they're be very much more serious adult there. Um, he's going for definitely going for that. Yeah. He's much more mature. But I want to say something about that. I think he has a lot more success here than he does with Crystal Skull, certainly more than Tintin, which um, I, which is not a bad film, by the way. It's just I, it's a movie that, like John Carter or Tarzan, its expiration date was long ago. Tintin is great for its time, the, the, gra- the graphic novels and everything, but at 21st Century, sadly, you're, it's going to be, that's a hard sell. Mm-hmm. That's a very hard sell. Actually, I don't think there's anything wrong with the, the movie. But I, and I can see where people would say this is a step backwards, but this is also where the, the guy who is one of the best when he does this and when he gets something that he can sink his teeth into, right. he's the best at it. And, that's, and I really think this, there, are, like, there are magical moments in this movie. Um, and, yes, the Shining sequence is actually one of them. Um, oh, unbelievable. The, absolutely, the, no absolutely the highest. No other director the movie. could do that. Christopher Nolan would not be able to get away with that. And I know he's like one of his, he, he, we would call him definitely an heir in many ways to Kubrick. But Spielberg's able to get away with that. That's what makes it so, because you almost feel like you're trespassing yeah. when you're watching that film. You feel like you're trespassing. Well, uh, uh, you know, my, the only thing that took me out of it was I guess they couldn't get the rights to use Jack Nicholson's image. And uh, I think that would have, uh, you know, enhanced uh, enhanced that sequence. Yes. Or, but, uh, um, you know, uh, I I still think it's beautiful and, and really, uh, really I don't know. Just one of the great things it, it's, that cinema's going to give us, I think. This yeah, year. I mean, it's a, it's when you first see that when they give the hints and the clues what it is, and then you see the the the, the, the you're like, holy shit, what am I about to watch here? Yes, it's you, true. You just you don't know, and that's what it's a magical sequence. It's really yeah. Um, well, quite a sequence. There's a, there's a there's a way that the, there's a way that Spielberg's perfect for this kind of thing. Immersing himself in in other kind of films and media, because he himself he's such a master uh, at at uh, assembling a frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also a master at capturing kind of like a character direct uh, like character actors 
will will dive into a role and they'll inhabit like a real life person. He can do that with directors, with other Mm -hmm. directors, because I mean, I I do feel a sense of the Kubrickian and AI, obviously, and it's not just story. It's something in the feel of the movie that there are elements that feel so much like Kubrick. And then you have elements that are clearly Spielberg, and it's the awkward mesh of those two that make that movie so singular for me. Mm -hmm. But there's also also a distinct feeling of Kostogravis in Munich. I mean, Mm -hmm. you feel it in the marrow of the movie. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like he's inhabiting Costa uh, Gravis in that movie. It's no, that's a great, thing. great point, Jamie. That's a really good point. May I just go back though? And if I'm and if I'm repeating myself from a previous show when we talked about from the Kubrick series, forgive me if we talked about this. But you know, if you go back to something like the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Kubrick, where they unload the Ark at the end, and the way that's framed, just like the scene with the monolith on the moon in 2001. There's always been these like hints of Kubrick throughout um, his career. So I, I, just fi- thought- I find that that scene, you know, really recalls, you know, something like Orson Welles and and, and Susan Cain in mm. a lot of ways. Right. Oh but yeah, I mean, it's, the warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, not the warehouse, but the scene in the or when they're on the island and they're unearthing the ark. The Nazis are unearthing the ark and the way it's shot with the stick, the ramps going down. Oh, I see. Yeah, and remember in, in the first time we, the monolith is in the moon, the astronauts are going to, and then we cut to Jupiter, remember? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, that, that, so, I mean, there are moments like that that you see um, there are these right. hints of Kubrick in his work. So that's right. It's not, it means, it just seems like he was the only director who could and, get away with that and do a very good job, and by that's the way. That, that's interesting. That's interesting, too, because the first time, Spielberg met Kubrick was on the set of The Shining because wherever they shot, I don't know, I think they shot in Elstree. I don't think it was Pinewood, but I think it was Elstree. But um, he, he visited Kubrick on the set of The Shining because he needed that stage for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. And Kubrick, oh, yeah. Kubrick was Kubrick was over schedule. So they're like, he's never going to get this fucking thing done. We're never going to be able to start <laughs> shooting. <laughs> he should have expected that. <laughs> um. But let me ask you guys about um, James Odin. Well, okay, sure, sure. Let, go. Let me say one more thing about Ready Player. I'm so sorry. I, when That's I right. say that about Ready Player, I, I don't mean to denigrate Spielberg for going back to this mass entertainment well, Ooh. because nobody does it better than he does. But at the same time, what I'm saying is, I think he's outgrown it in the fa- mm-hmm. in, in the idea that this is the kind of movie that his disciples should be making. Right. Uh, Spiel, Spielberg did it better than anybody else. He inspired a whole generation of filmmakers that make these kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Spielberg's doing something else now, and, and, and uh, as he should be, he's on another right. plane. I I appreciate it on the level of uh, kind of a, an experiment, a directorial experiment in terms of tr- uh, trying to reconnect with an earlier uh, visage. And uh, and I think he does it successfully, uh, and and in a new way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't doesn't feel like uh, we've quite seen all of this before. Uh, although it has re- resemblances, of course, to Tron and to to uh, to the Matrix, but not from not from Spielberg, but, you know. But, so, but it's like we, it has those references, obviously, because it's. I mean, you want to tell some of these millennials that these movies that were not that great the first time around, um, you know, um, but it's it's interesting though because he 
he's really responsible. As Jamie said, a lot of the directors, of course, like a lot of the great Marvel movies that are made or whatever, they're all influenced by this man. If it was not for Spielberg, or and we couldn't have a lot of the movies that we have today. I mean, no, it's just of course. That's, it's just, just it's impossible. And he knew how to do it, so he comes back and he and, does this, and, and for and, the most and, part, it works. Yeah. And watching those movies, you think, well, you know, he did inspire a lot of people, but. There's only one Spielberg, <laughs> right? Yeah, because there's yeah. a I'm, I'm glad line at the end. There's a Mark Rylance's last line of the movie. Only Spielberg could have delivered that. Only the way it's just set up, the way the whole movie is framed and everything. You're just like what he says to um, Ty Sheridan. You're like, yep, that's a Spielberg movie. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you can't help but think that. Um, I actually think the MVP is Simon Pegg, though. The second time watching it, he really stood out for me. Mm. I mean, really, I, I, he, there's a something, he's like, like, I, like, almost like the heart and soul of the movie in some ways, his, the character he plays. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's good. I always yeah. like to see yeah. him. So, you know, I really, I really like the movie. I liked the movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. I was dreading it, and I really, really loved it, uh, you know, uh, reservations aside. Uh, so, you okay. know. Top five, top five favorite Spielbergs. Go, go team. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Okay. Uh, wow, this is tough. Uh, bong. All right. Wait a minute. I've got to look at look at. I'll it. go. I'll go. Go ahead. You go first. Go ahead. Jaws, E.T., Raiders, Munich. Um, let's see. Give me, give me one more. I'm gonna go with um, shit. I'll go with Schindler's List. I mean, right. For right now, for right now, on the top of my head, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, E.T., uh, Close Encounters. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, Schindler. Um, I really love Catch Me If You Can. Yep. And, um, oh, hell, what would be the last one? I oh. guess Jaws. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jaws is a great, great achievement. Jaws is his great. I mean, Jaws is just gets better and better with each viewing in my book. So, I mean, um, but uh, me, me, would we say Hook uh, is no his worst movie? Order, in 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 my in no particular order, I, I'd put Jaws, uh, E.T., Temple of Doom, uh, oh. Empire of the Sun, yep. and uh, God, I need another one. Um, uh, I guess I put Schindler there too. I also have to give whip service to Duel. Uh, yeah, Duel, you'd is, have to. Is, yeah, is sure. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you guys a question though. What, would you say Hook is his worst film? Would we all be in consensus? No, no question. Okay. Easily. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think a, I think a close second as always. Yeah, uh, that, I, mean, those I, two. I have not seen. <laughs> I have not seen I, all I think the, the way main, through. The main the main problem with Hook is that it just takes so damn long. Yes, to, it does. Yes. It just feels phony. Um, uh, yes, it exactly. It feels phony through and through. I don't know what it is, but all of it feels like artifice. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's great. It does take so long to get going. It is. It's a but chore. It was harder. it was harder for Dustin Hoffman to grope his female co-stars with that hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although he could raise their dress up, their, yeah, their dress up I mean, line up pretty easily. With God it. knows if he's doing a Julia Roberts on the set of that one, but um, oh, but they're uh, okay. Edit that, that out. Edit that out. I don't. I don't want this to get sued. Um, 
Did anybody see A Quiet Place? Yeah. Um, easily one of the best films of the year, if not, I mean... I mean, it's an incredible movie year, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, a Quiet Place uh, is directed by John Krasinski, who is the star and, of course, the veteran uh, actor from uh, from The Office, and uh, uh, he stars with his wife, Emily Blunt. Uh, for the first time. They, for the first, first time, time they've ever done anything together. So yeah. let that sink in and why the movie I, – and I actually think that's why the movie works so well. Yeah. I really have to say that is the heart of the movie right there. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both ter- terrific in mm-hmm. it. And uh, it's got a very small cast that uh, includes, um, you know, Mil- Mil- Millicent Simmons and uh, 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 Noah, Noah Jupe as, uh, yeah. as mm-hmm. the kids. Um, uh, it's uh, – uh, you know th- who I think are amazing in it. Uh, uh, Millicent Simmons plays the daughter who is deaf, uh, in, and they're they're stuck in a house. That's, uh, in real life, she's deaf. In real yeah. life, she's a deaf. You know, right. so it's a, quite an accomplishment. I mean, quite a yeah, she's movie. Good. She's good in it, and uh, and uh, uh, she uh, they're they're stuck in a house uh, that. Uh, it has resemblances to signs, I think, in that they're stuck in a house that is being uh, that is being, you know, overlooked or by a, uh, an alien race that has uh, invaded Earth, and um, and they're, uh, I think their their sight impaired, so they rely on uh, and on their super hearing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, detect anything, and. Uh, and so the uh, so the necessity for silence, which is really really interesting, uh, kind of a uh, kind of a weird social experiment in a way. Watching it in a theater because yeah, uh, you're you're watching it, and uh, you know the audiences you know start off as they always do in movies, especially noisier movies, uh, you know. Rattling their bags and eating their popcorn, and like deadly that. quiet, and then they get deadly quiet by the After end of it. After that first, that first, the end of the first, what we would call the first, first thing that happens, that that audience, you could hear a pin drop for the rest of the movie. Oh yeah, they, they you know went along inter- with it. What else is interesting about it is that horror movies are usually uh, accommodate such uh, audible participation mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. an audience. Yeah. So Dean brings up a great point, though, a great um, comparing it to Signs. It's like imagine if Signs was like, like made by someone who really, really knew what they were doing, um, and made a really. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't. I have to because that's I the love first thing Signs. I, and then Signs is all right, but it's I, like it's like Signs is like kindergarten compared to this. Um, Maybe. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I really. But the other movie, if you want to do a compare and contrast, take last year's. Overly praised, it it it, it, it comes at night, and just yes. to compare and contrast of yeah. just what what works and how you can make something work and be so effective, <laughs> and not have it bogged down so much like the uh, it comes at night. And it's just this thing is just, I think this is like a master class almost on how to direct a movie, um, how to direct an effective horror thriller. I mean, this is a really smart movie. Um, he he's it's always been a good director. Krasinski does not did not like horror movies. That's he would never watch horror, horror movies. Yeah, I think that works in his favor. Yeah, um, 
just not to get too far off track. That's why the guy who Tony Gilroy, who we found out this week, reshot most of Rogue One. Not really crazy about Star Wars. Turns out it might be probably the best Star Wars movie ever made. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I actually think it helps not to, in a genre film, sometimes to know the genre and be that fond right. of it. I actually think being sometimes an outsider has its benefits. It does. It does, clearly. Uh, also, you know, I have to mention, you know, the music by Marco Beltrami, mm-hmm. who, yeah. who is absolutely one of our best uh, music composers for movies. and. Uh, really terrific editing by Chris, Chris Tellison, and uh, you know it's just a it's just a really really highly accomplished film. Yeah, you know, I mean, it just is. Uh, it's uh, you know uh, the the audience that I saw it with, you know, rubbed it into applause afterwards. Which, oh yeah, uh, you couldn't help. Well, it's it's, it's a big it's a big audience pleaser. I mean, yeah. audiences are loving it, and it's it's a sleeper movie that. Uh, that really opened big this weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it, it did very well, um, and, and more power to it. Um, There's just something really, it's like, I guess since he is, Krasinski's, you know, really was sort of, you know, we'd always look at him as, oh, the guy from The Office, but then he made that movie Brief Interviews several years ago, and you're like, what an odd choice for a first film to direct, a, a yeah. story and, by and David Foster Wallace. Yeah. Yeah, and he co-wrote that um, Promised Land Mm-hmm. Matt Damon and Gus Van Sant. Right. I mean, you know, he's he's got some, he's got some chops. He he knows. Yeah. I mean, this knows is how to do, how to do it all. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was just, but it's just your watch, and I do think in the that they're you know they, I stayed and watched there. Let's say if you go see it at ArcLight, they have like the ArcLight stories with the interview with the cast and crew, and um, you know, it was really funny. He said he I would never. I didn't think my wife wanted to do this, but she just jumped at the chance immediately. She wanted to. I mean. So it was really She's great nice. in it too. Boy, she's, she's superb. I mean, um, she really has found a. I she's only made one bad movie in my book, and that's The Girl on the Train. And I wasn't really, a fan of that. No, that's just that's like that's like you know bored suburban housewives fiction. I mean, let's be honest, that's all mm-hmm. that is. Um, yeah. And um, and that's it. Otherwise, she's really always delivered like a good performance, and she's really. I hope she'll do another movie with her husband. I really do. They I'm kind of looking well. forward to the Mary Poppins movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, that looks, yeah, that that looks good. That does look good. If so, they have yeah. to make a Mary Poppins movie, I think she's ideal for it. Yes. You know, <laughs> if, they cast, if they cast her right, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's see. I'm gonna move on now to a couple um, couple of movies that I've seen recently. They're available on demand. A movie called Itzok which is a documentary about Itzhak Perlman, the uh, violinist who uh, contributed, I guess, his most famous piece, you know, which is saved as a as a finale in this uh, documentary, uh, is uh, his uh, his work on Schindler's List uh, with John Williams' mm-hmm. uh, score. And, uh, and uh, you know, I By mean... By the way, uh, Dave, as, hmm? I, I, I just have to say, I would choose Munich over Schindler's List. In my top five list. Okay, go, okay. Go I may, I may too. Yeah, I mean. Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, this this documentary, you know, is for you know, I think a largely special specialized audience. You know, I think uh, audiences of the Jewish persuasion will uh, particularly enjoy it uh, because it 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 covers his uh, uh, Perlman's. 
trip to uh, Tel Aviv uh, to give concerts there, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's very good, almost a fan film in a way, uh, which we know on this show is uh, being a, a film that's really directed to a very specific audience. But uh, in that way, it's it's entertaining. It's uh, it's short. It's got lots of great music. I wish it had a little bit more music. In fact, there was part of me that uh, wished it was all music uh, rather yeah. than uh, you know personal uh, looks behind the scenes with them and so forth. Uh, you know, ordering Kugel or whatever. You know. Well, but, uh, do you mean like that Neil Young um, documentary from a couple of years ago? I'm, Remember I that one that Jonathan Demi directed? Um, I forget what I forget what it's called, but it came out like I think 2006. That yeah. was mainly just a concert, really, with a little bit of that, but yeah, not I much. would prefer well, Dem- you know, De- De- prefer Demi, Demi could do Demi could do that. Demi right. could make total all balls to the wall, all music, every frame documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, without the without the need to kind of do a general talking head kind of right, thing, right. Know. I think that's the way to go with music-centric uh, docs is to uh, – I think we need to return to, uh, you know, the sort of uh, all-concert, all-music documentaries that were huge in, uh, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s and on into the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Like, uh, like the One and, Direction film. <laughs> sure, why not? Morgan Spurlock, right? Morgan uh, Spurlock, yep. Yes. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed Itzhak on a limited basis. I just wish it had more music in it. I was, uh, you know, pining pining for just music, you know, 20 minutes into it, you know. And, uh, and you know, it comes, but uh, I, I wish there was more. Um, so, uh, so there's that. And also William H. Macy has a directorial effort called Crystal, that's out about a a, oh. a girl with a heart problem uh who is uh who is you know uh dealing with her uh professor uh you know parents played played by uh uh William H Macy and Felicity Huffman who of course are married in real life and she's got a doctor played by William Fitchner who's been on our show and uh but uh uh, you know, uh, Crystal, the title character is played by Rosario Dawson, and uh, the uh, the kid that's in the lead, um, you know, whose name I don't really have right here, but uh, you know, uh, he's he falls in love with her, and uh, she kind of brings him out of his shell, uh, you know, and he tries he tries to <clears throat> affect a a kind of a bad boy uh, persona. That he really lifts lifts from you know one of his friends and uh, I wish the movie uh, worked uh, more powerfully. It's uh, it feels kind of phony and uh, a little insufferable and a little TV movie flavored. Uh, Kathy Bates, uh, Kathy Bates is in there. Everybody has a real honeyed southern accent. It's like, darling, come over here. And, you know, being a southerner, I, that, that accent, you know, is is relatively Sound like rare. Kate McKinnon doing Jeff Sessions there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was kind of that's kind of that kind of. It feels like spoofery. It seems like seems seems cliched and and uh, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, I don't feel like a lot of it works, unfortunately. I wish I could say better for a film from somebody I love, like uh, William H. Macy, but it just... Uh, is this the first movie he's directed? Or hasn't he directed other movies? Or is this the first movie he's directed? I, mean, I think he's directed a few others. Uh, Did but, he do that uh, movie Lake Boat? Did he do that? I've never or? seen that. It's an interesting movie that um, like a lot of Mammoth regulars are in that. I don't know if he directed it though. I, I take that back. I don't know though. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm not sure. You know, uh, you know, I can consult. Uh, yeah, we our, consult IMDb uh, the Bible friend, here. Um, <laughs> you know, our friend IMDb uh, to make us sound like uh, brilliant, uh, uh, knowledgeable. You know, right, right. No, that's a dis- I've never heard of this movie, so I'm disappointed to hear it's not as good because it sounds promising just from the pedigree involved with it. So, um. yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I wish, uh, you know, I, I wish that I could, uh, you know, uh, say say better things about it because I I love him and um, you know, uh, yeah, uh, he did a movie called uh, The Layover. The Layover and Rudderless. Yeah, Rudderless, Rudderless is what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, there we um, go. So yeah, but uh, I haven't seen either one of those, so I'll, I'll check those out. Are they worth checking out? I would. I heard no. rudderless. I heard good things about. So <laughs> I don't know about the layover though. I I, I saw the layover, and uh, you uh, just watch it for for boobs. Oh no! Uh, Joe Mantegna did um, Lake Boat. Okay. All right. Sorry. Another mammoth actor. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's got all the. All the mammoth guys are in that one. Oh no, the layover yeah. has a road trip in it. Oh boy, again, you know, with the road trips and the indie movies. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a sex comedy, is what uh, it is. Uh, oh, okay. The get laid over. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, you know that keeps keep, gets us up to date on you know the movies uh, that we've seen. I guess I uh, unless you, you have more. I want to. I want to ask you if you've seen. Have you seen Trumbo yet, Dean? Yes. Did you like yeah, it? I saw it? I saw it last year. I was I was lukewarm on it. I you know liked some of it, but uh, you know generally I I felt like it was a subpar TV movie. And uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of I I liked you know Cranston in it. And, I, uh, I like yeah I like the performances in it. Um, I don't know. There's something over, but overall, there's something unsatisfying about it, from what there I remember. Mhm. Yep. Yep. That's it. You know, it's. Just, uh, I don't know. It just has that. It has that sort of structure to it that uh, that feels kind of tired for me. And uh, I don't know. You know, I, I I kind of enjoyed Helen Mirren, and it is. Uh, I, I thought she she brought parts of it to life, but. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I've seen better movies by that director, uh, you know, and uh, better TV movies by yeah. that director. Speaking of TV movies, um, but Dean, yeah, what I was your watching. point, Jamie? What, what did it, you it, want to talk? It, my my point is, it's become one of my favorite movies to watch on cable because it's on all the time, and I I find oh. that every time I start to watch it, it sucks me in. You get like sucked in. Those... Yeah, that's fine. No, it's that kind of movie, of course. No, I get that. I, there are a lot of movies and like it's that. T- it's totally, it's totally Cranston. But yeah. but uh, I mean, he's he's so wonderful in the movie. But there's also like the the just the joy of watching the how how he survived in the blacklist and mm-hmm. working with John Goodman. 
you know, the Z movie producer and writing yeah. five scripts a week for him. And yeah, I yeah. like that whole part of it. And, and, and Michael Stuhlbarg is Edward G. Robinson. He, he's good. He's great movie. in it. He's, he's really good, Jamie. The very end of that movie, uh, when, when he's playing the later version of Robinson, there's a shot of him where you think you're watching Robinson. He's mm-hmm. watching him give a speech. The, it is uncanny. Well, absolutely. That's a that's a good no. I, there are a lot of movies like that that I'll just get sucked into. Recent movies that are on that make the rounds on cable, and I'll feel the need to watch them. I get sucked into them, so mm-hmm. I get that totally. Um, but you brought up made for TV quality. There is a movie that just came out that has that, and it's called Chappaquiddick. Um, and oh, it has a total feel like a made for TV. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, guys. It really does. I mean, I, I know really they were really trying it. to. I think if you, it's good. It's a good movie in the sense, like I think it's something you watch on cable one day. If you don't know anything about mm-hmm. the incident that where Ted Kennedy here, played by Jason Clark, um, you know, leaves, lets the girl basically leaves her to die in this car accident. This car goes into the river, or like I guess a lake, a lake or river. You gotta forgive me. I don't know my body of water from <laughs> there, but um, you know, and he lets her, but he just. Um, he lets her die. That's in this, so this derailed his chances for ever becoming to run for president to have a successful campaign. Um, you know, this is what really derailed him. Um, but it has that quality to it. I hate to say that because there's an interesting yeah. story I think to be told here. But I got to tell you that you watch it, and you, I didn't know a lot of these things and what they did to hide the facts and everything. No wonder that's people it. hate politicians that, that's, that's so much. Why I'm in, that, that's why I'm interested in it because I yeah me too. Uh, I I, I want to know the the cover up. I want to know yes. how, to what lengths they went to to kind of preserve his reputation. Yeah, it's, clearly he could have said he could have done a lot more. He she was alive for what like twenty thirty minutes because she had that's an air they, bubble. That's down what they there, said. Yeah, that's yeah. what they Terrible. said. Terrible. Yeah, it's um you watch this though and you understand why people really are so hateful um, against politicians. But it's it's just it has that quality to it. And, you know, Bruce Stern plays Joe Kennedy, which is an interesting bit of casting. Um, but it's it's um, Ed, Hel- Ed Helms and Jim Gaffigan are in this as his, yeah. like, who work for him. That's fascinating. And it, though, that me. is a fascinating development in uh, dramatic casting uh, right there. Um, but I... What I guess I want to say is I, the, the, it's important, though, is because one of our favorite movies is based on this incident, is sort of, and that's Blowout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of you know you can't you can't watch this and not think of Blowout. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's yeah. no way. I like this. Uh, this director has done a movie. Uh, I've never seen The Painted Veil, uh, but no, he's uh, an interest. That's an interesting movie. That's a, that's the remake of the Garbo movie. That's the one with Ed Norton, right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a very interesting movie. Um, but he did, he did a movie a few years ago called Tracks that I like. Uh, John Coran is the director's name. Uh, this was uh, Mia Wa- uh, Wasikowska and uh, Adam Driver and Lily Pearl. And, uh, it, I've it, always it a, wanted to see that. I still haven't. Um, this is the one good. that takes place in the Australian Outback, right? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, yes, Julia Roberts traveling the outback play that. with her with her dogs and uh, yeah. and camels. <laughs> you know, yeah, like Julia Roberts was going to play that um, part originally long ago. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's based on a book by Robin Davidson and mm-hmm. got some uh, 
got the you know good score and and so forth. Yeah, but didn't he, uh, so, didn't he do something? Like, didn't he do that movie Stone too with uh, De Niro and Norton? Remember uh, that with Mila Jovovich? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that movie. Oh god, I hate that movie, but yeah. Uh yeah no I, I I don't know right offhand you know but I did I did see that movie I had a <clears throat> I don't know I I kind of enjoyed that movie as kind of a taco movie kind of thing he did do Stone yeah uh, but uh, I'll have the tacos and skip the movie <laughs> <laughs> Angus McLaughlin is the is the writer uh, of that one and uh, Angus you know, Angus must have the name Angus. <laughs> Angus McCrotch. This does always make me think of a think of a steak, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, he also wrote June Bug, Bug which was that's a good, that's way a good, better, that's a good movie. better movie. <laughs> so, but uh, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, you know what I watched last Saturday night? You know, speaking of just, I watched Night of Cups finally. Oh ah. God. That's how you beat me. Saturday I still night. haven't. You don't know what it's like until you know. You think, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's got Christian Bale in it. I okay. So he said. So Terrence Malick said he's going back to scripted dramas. He did say that. We're on record with that now. Yes. Yeah. Thank with the God. The upcoming World War Two movie. Yeah. Thank God. You know, oh uh, my. Uh, oh my God. Night of Cups. Is is that the one with? Uh, that's not the music one. The the. That's no, that's song, song the song. Yeah, Knight of Cups I have seen. Uh, oh, God. And, uh, Brian, Brian Dennehy said it. Brian Dennehy actually said Ma- Malik's one of the best directors I ever worked with. And uh, Dennehy's <laughs> like a really disciplined yeah. actor. I mean, he, How, he is a it, giant in the American theater. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I guys, look, Los Angeles is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Mm-hmm. And it certainly looks beautiful. You wouldn't know it. No, you wouldn't know, but here's the thing. I've never seen a movie where he is so obsessed. Hey, we're gonna walk in and out, out of these rooms and in and out of things, and it just seems like the whole movie is just, it's like a, a continuous tracking yeah, it, shot. It is. It is odd. It, it, that's that's one thing that I wish the movie had was more of LA. For instance, like um, uh, they are indoors a lot, but at the same time, there's very little night scenes in it, and LA right. is beautiful at night. Yeah, uh, know, you know the way the whole totally city lit up from above. Yeah. Uh, so it does, for him to make an LA movie, uh, there wasn't enough LA in it. For yeah, him. there's yeah. none, none in it really. <laughs> but the most interesting scene in the whole movie is when his apartment is robbed. Remember when they rob his apartment and they're like so upset because he has nothing to steal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I'm longing for a more tethered down uh, Malik. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I will be glad to see him adhering to a script more than the improvisational. Kind yeah, of it's just not that, working. His last yeah. three movies. Night of, Night, of Wonder. Cups, Night of Cups is still better. Than, still better than To the Wonder. It's still a scotch better than To the Wonder. The bowel enough. movement I had yesterday is better than to the wonder I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's rough. We're a rough crowd here. Uh, I can't wait to uh, see Malik do a movie about your bowel movement. I mean, that's, that'll be standing <laughs> and rolling right there. It, that will be epic. And, uh, yeah. Um, it's okay, so we, we, were t- we were talking about Chappaquiddick. I just wish it wasn't improvised. 
<laughs> heavily improvised. From yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So we were talking about Chappaquiddick, and I don't know why I want to bring this up because I know you guys like past things that I've done on this uh, in this vein. So I've been meaning to uh, do it for a little while on the show, and I've got a note here to do it. So uh, the other couple of weeks ago, I was watching uh, Click, the uh, pretty terrible Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> oh, oh, is that the one where he can remote control his, and go Chris back Walken? and forwards in time or something? Right, right. With Christopher yes. Walken, right? Yes, yes. I need to do more drugs and I remember that. Makeup. <laughs> I need you to know. do more drugs, and I even remember this. Okay. Um, it just, it, you know, not a successful movie, but uh, and the makeup is good in it. So after I watched that, just by pure coincidence, I watched Tick, 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 which is a 70s movie with Jim Brown taking a, uh, taking a sheriff position in a small southern town that's not ready for a black sheriff and, uh, and puts up a lot of... Uh, you know, uh, roadblocks to his success. Uh, you know, uh, Frederick March is in it, and uh, and so forth. So, uh, you know, I make a, I have a detailed, you know, movie diary that I keep, and so I just noticed that uh, I watch Click and then Tick Tick Tick. So I was trying to yes. decide what my next movie would be, and I made a well. list. <laughs> I made a list of the possibilities. So the list included Sick, Dick, Brick, Stick, Magic, Patrick, Lovesick, Lipstick, Dance Flick, Maverick, Super Chick, Dragonwick, Candlestick, Chappaquiddick, Mr. Majestic, (laughs) Danger Diabolic, Flowers in the Attic, Chronicles of Riddick, but then I finally went with Toys in the Attic, which was a... 60s, wow. 60s kind of, <laughs> and and then you know in the same view, same realm as Toys in the Attic, I went on to Sweet Bird of Youth and broke the pattern. But well, thank uh, God you for know. that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought you guys would enjoy this. No, that was, that's very interesting. There's a lot of there was a lot of work went into that. Um, yeah, no, it was my list of ick flicks, and I ick flicks. I thought. I thought that uh, I thought that uh, how come they haven't done uh, like a giant bug movie called Ick? They should really do that. Mm. <laughs> they should. They, they they really should do that. A giant bug. So I got that out of my system. I hope you enjoyed it. These are the questions that keep us up at night. God knows it's hey. kept me up for years, but I mean, but uh, did, did you see the Gary Shandling, the four hour, four and a half I hour Gary Shandling? I recorded it. I haven't watched it yet. I did record it. I do want to watch it. I I'm telling you, it, it is the it, it is the best thing Judd Apatow has done. I know a lot of listeners out there will be like, "Well, that isn't saying much," but uh, but uh, it's 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 really good. Uh, he finds in Gary Shandling um, a subject. Uh, you know, Gary Shandling was searching for for peace. He was searching for self actualization in his life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a kind of centeredness, uh, in spite of. Any trauma from childhood he might have suffered, in spite of his own crippling insecurities, uh, and it was an ongoing quest throughout the course of his life. And and the the movie is, it's not your standard. Uh, everybody get around and talk about Gary, and we'll go through childhood to death. Even though that's, yeah, that's the good. structure of the movie. <laughs> it, it, I mean that that that's the that's the structure of the movie. But at the same time, within that structure, it is really searching 
mm-hmm. for through the contradictions of a person and then the the journey that we're all capable of going on if we're self aware human beings. Right. Trying to be better. You know, trying to be better and trying to trying to mature. when mm-hmm. you're coming up and you're fighting for that laugh and winning that laugh is everything that matters to you and then you want to make the very best T V show and then he gets to a place where he has to say, you know, screw that. That's not a, that's not important. I, d- d- do what makes you happy, and uh, you, you don't need all the stress of this. It's a, it's, it was a guy that internally he was really fighting with himself. Right. And what he was really searching for was peace within all that chaos within him. And so I think it gets to something a lot deeper than uh, than our general shallow personality profile. Right. No, it. I saw a little bit of the whether about the I guess about the boxing and everything. And I thought that was fascinating. I watched a little bit of it, but I recorded it um, just because I do want to sit down and watch that at some point. It looks really fascinating, and based on what you had said a couple of weeks ago, so definitely want to. And he's funny. Watch. Gary Shandling oh, is just funny. Yeah, I mean, hilarious. And Larry, one of the great. Yeah. Uh, no, he really wonderful. very funny. I can't believe he's not it's here really, anymore. It's really the, interesting the, yeah. the 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 place where they in the movie where they talk about what planet are you from, because that's a movie that he wrote and they brought in Mike Nichols and they thought it would be a surefire thing and he and Mike Nichols absolutely hated each other. Like uh-huh. Mike Nichols wanted off that movie from the very first day, and the movie shows. I mean, it yeah. shows in the movie. Mm-hmm. No, it does. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm glad we're covering, you know, the TV stuff, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, I I just think a lot of it's really important to cover, uh, you know. But, uh, you know, recently in that vein, I, I revisited a TV show that was really, a, you know, a real mainstay for me, uh, you know, in the early 80s uh, to the mid 80s, uh, The Paper Chase, which is, of mm-hmm. course, movie related. Mm-hmm. I was going to offer a uh interesting insight that that's the only movie that uh you know I think the uh has an Oscar winning actor reprising his movie role for the television uh adaptation and uh the the show started off on network TV and then moved over to cable TV you know early before that was done for uh you know for its final 3 seasons so it's four seasons was it showtime yeah, I think so. That's and a good show. I remember watching it with my brother growing up. That's a it good is show. Such a good show. It is so top notch. And where else are you going to be able to see John uh, John Housen, uh, uh, you know, uh, playing on screen opposite Robert Reed, you know, the yeah. Brady Bunch dad, so, who plays a, a pretty nasty person in one of the. First it always episodes. freaked me out, Dean, because he would call on people, look, get, call their <laughs> names out in the class, and I was just like, my God, I would fail in law school miserably. I mean, if John oh. Houseman's going to call on me, I mean, <laughs> me too, you know, me too. But it uh, is such a great show. It's so well cast and and beautifully produced and and written, and uh, you know, I just don't think that it gets, uh, you know, a lot of lip service paid to it, but. Uh, Given that it's that it's based on a movie, you know, I thought it was proper to to bring it up and uh, and uh, and recommend that people look look out for it on on DVD. It's absolutely, you know, uh, the the collections of uh, of episodes are incredibly affordable. They're they're still out there, and uh, you know, great great cast, including uh, James Stevens and Tom Fitzgerald Simmons and. Uh, all, 
sorts of, you know, interesting people popping up mm-hmm. here and there, you know. And, uh, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> it's just a really, really accomplished show and uh, really gets you into the uh, details of uh, the law reviews and, mm-hmm. and, and law practice, you know, unlike any other, uh, you know, law-based show out there, you know, that I can think of. So it's really, really emotionally effective and has, you know, terrific direction and, and uh, again, a really, really big cast that's consistently, consistently moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, uh, so the paper chase is uh, is something that everybody should look out for. It's you know, good, good call, good call. On that. That's a that's a very underappreciated show, I think, by today's standards, as you said. Yeah, uh, I used to watch it all the time. Last 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 week or two weeks ago, our last show. We didn't really get, like, I'm almost skeptical to bring this up again, because we have gone over it, but I don't think we've, uh, I've, I have a new feeling about this. The whole thing, like, our friend Aaron, he posted a vociferous defense of what Spielberg said about Netflix movies, all that kind of stuff, they oh, yeah, should yeah, not yeah. be nominated for, nominated for Oscars. Oscars are for movies that have theatrical distribution, not if you're your movie that's made for a TV format than your TV movie. Um, <clears throat> me personally, you could feel the tides turning with certain things, and I think it's just inevitable that Netflix movies and Amazon movies or whatever, whatever's of premium quality, will be up for Oscars. It's like, I personally think it's inevitable that there will be an assault weapon ban. I think like the time and the culture, it will come to a point where, just like gay marriage, like people will say, yeah, mm. let's stop this. Just, just you know, go ahead. Let, allow it, because we're sick of it. Right. Uh, and I think, I think the same thing. Maybe that's not a good analogy, because we're talking about I don't know if it's, and, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know if that's the analogy I'd use. <clears throat> yeah, but, but it's, it feels inev- like an inevitability, is what I'm saying. Uh, for me, it does. And my point is... Um, I mean, I'm all about the purity of the cinematic experience and stuff, but they're not giving an award out for the format in which you watch the movie. That's right. That's not the basis of the award. The basis of the award is the quality of the work. Yeah. <coughs> Just on that But they basis. do have rules, okay? And the rules have been for a long time that the film but has to play. But why have they play... been like that? Why have they been like that? Because, because there's nothing on t- television that would warrant consistent, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, appraisal right. until recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I can't speak to that. Uh, you know, I don't know why. But, but uh, I mean, I, there I, are... I, the I Irishman ca- will be the game changer, I think, on that, then. Well, I, I, I do agree that there has to be limits in terms of, you know, what we consider for Oscars, just like there, where there are Im- limits on what we can... what are considered to be, uh, you know, any nominees too or whatever so it's you know every everybody has its every awards body has its rules and uh yeah they're subject to change but uh and so you know i'm yeah i'm uh, open for it to change uh but uh at the moment i can understand that the uh placement that we're at right now is is rather murky and needs uh needs to undergo further definition so, yeah, but uh, I mean, I think it, I think it goes deeper than the Oscars, though. It's your definition of a movie, and <clears throat> which is 
where Aaron was taking his argument. And a movie is not defined by where you see it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, like, like, screen, like a lot of the Oscar voters watch those movies, or Academy members will watch those movies, remember, at home on a screener, on a DVD. So I, I mean, if, if, if that were the case, whenever A Quiet Place comes out on DVD and you're watching it on Blu-ray or whatever, all of a sudden it's not a movie? Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, no, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I don't. I think he's. I mean, I just think the way you're going. I mean, there are some like Mudbound. I think would be the first movie that, or be even the Beast of No Nation. Um, God, which wasn't nominated. Was, was, but didn't he? Didn't he get a nomination? Um, no, Isis Elba or didn't? Oh, okay, maybe no. okay. But um, they are. They do show in theaters though. These are movies that have shown in theaters. Um, so. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I think you know if they make them for TV and they have them in theaters, you know, like things like you know Great Fantini or Duel, which wasn't nominated either. But uh, you know, I think they should be considered. You know, but uh, but I I think that uh, I think that there has to be a limit in some ways, and uh, and uh, you know, again, I don't want uh, I don't want you know, uh, all TV movies to be considered for Oscars, you know, whatever, just because they right. get a qualifying run. It feels right. like uh, gaming the system. Well, I mean, it'll, it'll, just be like, it'll, it'll just be like the theatrical movies. I mean, the cream will rise to the top. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, I don't think know. Cloverfield Paradox is going to win any. You know, <laughs> <get> any <you laughs> know. Yeah, you know, but... Uh, yeah, uh, you know. Honestly, if we you know if, what I think the resist. You know what I think the resistance is. I don't think it's a purity thing. I think it's a thing where they don't, they don't want the extra work. I mean, that's a maybe. lot more shit they have to deliberate on, and, right? And watch and so forth. Yes, for sure. Right. And, that's uh, what I'm saying. It yeah. feels. It feels. It feels like the academy membership wants to keep the uh, considerations down to a minimum, like. You know, well, I just really want to watch ten movies, and we're going to nominate all ten movies for all the other awards too. You know, blah blah blah. They blah, won't blah, even blah, watch you know. those. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe, that's very true. It, yeah. it must be uh, maybe in the current age. You know, uh, it feels like something else is sucking away uh, the Academy members' times and uh, time and to consider these movies and hookers I, and blow. I, Yeah. You know, uh, uh, but the Irishman really will be that will be you, Jared, like Jerry said it. You that cannot be adored. I don't know what the they don't know what the theatrical game plan with that is. But even if it has no theatrical, you cannot ignore that movie. No, you and can't. Scorsese cannot say that's a TV movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, no I agree. No. I agree. No question. It's a, you know, but it's got to be out there. I think that movie has to be released in theaters. You know, I mean, it just does. I don't care if it's six, yeah. sixty, yeah. six hundred. Doesn't have to be three million or three three hundred thousand or whatever. But it just it has to be out there in theaters. Uh, you know, people mm-hmm. people want to see that. So I, I know that Netflix is is reluctant to do this, but they really got to. Uh, you know they have to be meeting, having meetings right now. You know, figuring out how they're gonna. Oh yeah, I'm this. sure. Netflix yeah. has 117 million worldwide subscribers. Holy Do you know shit. how much money that is? I mean, yeah, it's a lot God. of money, man. We're, we're mm, talking about how much money they spend. They spend on content. They got money to burn. I mean, <laughs> yep, yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting time, you know, and uh, and it feels, uh, you know, sometimes it, for, for us, you know, trying to keep keep up with uh, watching stuff, it feels overwhelming. Um, and by the way, in old Hollywood, I mean, you'd have people making five movies a month under contract. Mm-hmm. You know, they they really all eligible. I mean, they, <laughs> you know. yeah. They, they, it wasn't necessarily a question of quality as much as quantity in a lot of mm-hmm. these cases. But uh, there has been like the factory mentality before in film production. Mm-hmm. Mm, no doubt. I don't think that's abated. You know, uh, you know, it's just in a different form now. But uh... well, now it's so expensive. I mean, they 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 really have to pick and choose. You know, you they, you have some studios that have gone from making so many products every year to, you know, we just got a dozen movies we're able to finance this year. Uh, mm-hmm. One a month. Yeah. I wanted to comment on something that uh, I've noticed going on on another platform on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, they've added a ton, a t- I mean, a real uh, avalanche of uh of music documentaries, uh, a lot of them are on the level of uh, of you know an A and E biography or something. But uh, they've added things like the unheard music, uh, the X documentary uh, about the L.A. band X, and uh, Stop Making Sense is on there, which is a beautiful you know if you know what I watch Stop Making Sense, which is absolutely my favorite music doc ever. And uh, I watched it for the first time. To p- I put subtitles on it so I could read the lyrics, uh, and that was really wonderful to watch it again. And it feels like they've, you know, goosed up the sound, and uh, the image looks fantastic. And absolutely, Jonathan Demme's, you know, crowning achievement, if you ask me. That I would have given it Best Picture for 1984, and. Um, and uh, he and Talking Heads, and uh, who really direct the stage show, uh, the Best Director uh, award for that. But uh, uh, lots of lots of interesting stuff, and uh, on there, it's just a really, really, uh, you know, if you're a music fan, uh, you know, think, you know, the Pulp documentary, the uh, the uh, the um, uh, you know, Radiohead is on there, and uh, all sorts of interesting stuff. And uh, so, check out uh, Amazon Prime for some a lot of really good music stuff. You know, you can go up on Amazon Prime and see what other people, other people who watch this particular movie have watched or whatever, and get a really good recommendations list and. And of course, uh, you know, depending on what you like, you. Oh, one of the things that I watched on there, which was really interesting, was Sad Vacation, which is a docu- documentary about uh, the love affair between uh, Nancy Spungen and uh, Sid Vicious. Mm. Uh, which oh, is, cool. Uh, which is uh, which is very very insightful and very good. Uh, so you know that that's up there to check out and. Um, and then after watching Stop Making Sense, I went on to I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, which was recommended to me, and I uh, hadn't seen it in a long time, and I uh, really, really dug it and had fun uh, watching uh, the Wayans movie, and 
uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans that directorial effort and just had. By the way, Dean, I got, I got, I, I, I picked up the soundtrack for the van. So. Oh. <laughs> Can you record it can't. for me or something? Yeah, I, I can't, wait, have I can't wait to. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Uh, the whole, the whole thing in its entirety is on YouTube. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I so uh, enjoyed but, watching know, the van. Uh, that, that, you know, and, favorite, and Malibu my, Beach. <laughs> my my favorite television network at the moment is Access, Access, Access. Uh, I think it's Mark Cuban's network, uh, but they're like twenty four hours of music programming every day, and so I, I'll watch stuff like a three hour documentary on Leonard Skinner uh, called Gone with the Wind. Uh, mm. They have. Dan Rather does interviews, an interview show with musicians on that network. They mm. have documentaries about the Allman Brothers and you know, all kinds of great stuff. They had a week of like nothing but late 60s, 70s stuff, which is my favorite period of time for music, kind of like the folkish music that I love so much. Right. Uh, and then Southern, Southern Rock and some really great programming on there if you love that kind of music. Yeah, it's, uh, that's 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 all exciting. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a great time to be a movie. Behind lover, the you know. behind the album, like they they have the classic album series, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's programming that's purchased from the UK or something, so it's already produced. But you know, they went through the other day. They aired a an hour long documentary on the making of the LA Woman album, and that was like, oh my Holy god, it's wow. right, up, right up my alley. I mean, mm-hmm. it was so fantastic to to watch. What are we what are we gonna have as closing music on this episode? Then? LA Woman? <laughs> Can we do oh, that? Oh man. No, we get sued, I think around, big time. To to drive around Los Angeles blaring that movie that music with the convertible top down. Oh my god, it's like heaven, man. Mm-hmm. Can we have uh, oh, maybe yeah. we can have uh, home the song from Stop Making Sense that uh, the top, uh, Stop Making uh, the Talking Heads uh, song as a as a closing number that would be my choice home is a great uh, number in that doc and it's such a beautiful song and um, it's really wonderful or but, maybe uh, we'll, maybe we can play a piece of, a piece of film score from uh, Johnny Greenwood and. You were never here. You're never really here. Oh, that'd be mm. neat too. Yeah, you know, uh, I didn't realize that he was doing the score for that. So that would be, uh, uh, God, I. You know, he you does. Know, it's supposed to be very yeah. Um, I just, that, that movie's supposed to be very good. Um, you know, the score uh, is fan, very good from what I hear. Phantom, Phantom Thread is uh, is on constant rotation in my mm-hmm. house, and uh, and I just got today the uh, for the first time the There Will Be Blood soundtrack. Which, oh, uh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so. a great. That's that's like to me the quintessential like Greenwood score. Um, they're all good. Don't get me wrong, but that's yeah. the quintessential one. But have you guys seen the Joaquin Phoenix movie yet, or? No, it's playing at the Atlanta Film Festival, which I will be covering coming up in the, just a little promo for what's coming up. I'll be covering it alongside my cousin Greg Treadway, who is uh, who is just as big of a movie nut as I am, and I've invited him to to uh, the festival. Uh, it's his first festival he's ever gone to, so he'll be this will be trial by fire for him. But uh, when we have the 
when we have the coverage of the festival, which starts uh, April 3rd and goes through the 23rd, uh, and uh, has movies like uh, the Joaquin Phoenix movie. A and, festival. Yeah, I mean, do, you, do, you, do they give you like a mattress or something, or it's ten, like a it's ten days, and uh, so it is. It is long, and uh, and uh, you know can be trying, and the the weekdays are uh, are. Do they give you uh, a suppository? <laughs> the, the, the weekdays are filled with lots of classes uh, for filmmakers to attend, and. So there's a little bit of a break in the weekdays, you know, and the movies kind of resume at 5 p.m. Uh, but uh, they've got a lot, a lot of movies, you know, and, uh, you know, so we'll be, our first episode will be, uh, you know, airing soon. Do they uh, give you tacos? <laughs> For them, some you of know, the movies some, that are taco you know, movies? They're, they're, they're generous on, on food and and uh, and uh, coffee well, and uh, well, I guess alcohol, which I try to stay away from. <laughs> You know, after after the movies are done, uh, if you get it, it is really a party festival. So uh, it sounds it is, that way. I mean, it can really shit. tire you out and and uh, they, mess uh, with your did, sleep schedule. Do they, do they give, have fluffers? Do they give you a towel? <laughs> Everything's like. Do they give you this? Do they give you a towel to sop up your own sauce? <laughs> but no, but you might get a T-shirt. But going back to the Joaquin Phoenix movie, my girlfriend saw that and she said it's very good. But it's like any other Lynn Ramsey film; it ain't a feel-good movie. No, no, we don't go to her movies. He's for very that. good. He's very good in the movie, though. I mean, no, no, it's, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. They're going to be showing the uh, Mr. Rogers documentary. Will you be my neighbor at the uh, at the film festival? Which that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to. But they're also uh, Jason Reitman is going to be a guest and is going to give a master class because uh, his his film Tully is playing, uh, and uh, so you know he's he's been to the fest before and obviously likes it. So you know oh, the, so they'll be showing a director's cut of Labor Day. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the executive director. There's another pie scene. scene. <laughs> the, the executive director, I should mention, Chris Escobar, is really wonderful, and he's the new owner of the Plaza Theater here in Atlanta, which has you know changed hands a number of time over, times over the past couple of decades. But he's now the owner of it, and uh, it's kind of the main hub of activity for the Atlanta Film Festival, and, and uh, he's he's doing beautiful work there and uh he's asked me to throw in uh on some movie collage work for oh, cool. for the uh for the decor uh and uh you know so that that will be a challenge that I'm I'm attacking in uh in May uh but uh, uh that'll take a, a long time to do cuz I'm going to have to go to the uh to the archives and uh and of the Atlanta Journal Constitution and research, you know, old ads and stuff, which mm, yeah, I kind of uh-huh. love. <laughs> no, that's really cool. So, uh, you know, uh, and you know, just to, just to throw it out there, if anybody ever wants a ad collage, you know, I'm available, and you know how to get a hold of me through Filmicability or through Movie Geeks United or Facebook or, uh, you know, uh, I'm not too hard to get a hold of. So if you want one, uh, I, can I want make a collage. I want a collage of uh, every mattress sale that took place in my neighborhood in 1970s. 
I could do something like that. I have, I have the ability to do something like that. So anything you ask for, whether it be music or mattresses or, or movies or whatever, I can focus on concerts, uh, you know, uh uh, Shoney's ads, who knows? Shoney's ads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it happens, you know. This would be great. Does, this would be great. A truck stop. Yeah, I want. I want. Yeah, if I if I ever start a truck stop, I I want a collage of all the teenage women uh, that have been kidnapped. A truck stop. Oh, uh, <laughs> that would be. Oh my uh, God. Oh, unsettling. God. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Who made that would be this? a great character movie. <laughs> Here you, you are doing research on this project, and you're having nightmares and stuff, and you're going insane. <laughs> I can do that. Yes. Thank you.